Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100-1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100-1 odds on that fighter. That's right, bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry, if MMA isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Be aware of the inbounder here if you're filling. It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Game, series, pain. Ouch. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 86 of Process Potables. It is two years to the day of the shot, of possibly the most painful moment in our Philadelphia sports fandom history, life, whatever. I don't know. I'm joined by Steve. As always, follow him on Twitter at SWJones87. I am Dan. You can find me at Dan Says That and find Process Potables on all social media platforms, all that fun stuff, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, what have you, at Process Potables. Steve, I don't even think you knew until we were doing this that this was the two-year anniversary, so you may not be prepared, but just think back right now off the top of your head and just you know walk me through... The emotional roller coaster. We were in my basement watching that game. And the funniest part about that memory to me is not even Sixers related because I, if I recall correctly, which that whole night is just, it, it, I feel like it's kind of blocked out in my mind, but there's some fragments I can put together. I'm pretty sure you sat in silence and I just laughed like a good yeah. amount. I just, yeah. I just started laughing. And ultimately what I what I found to be the, the worst part when I look back on it is not even the shot, not even 
being knocked out of the playoffs, not the existential dread that came with thinking that Brett Brown was going to get fired and that one of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons was going to get traded in the offseason as a result. It was watching Game of Thrones after and how fucking terrible <laughs> that was. Yeah. So tell me tell me what yeah. you remember from that. So I I was I'm glad you brought it up because I had a feeling you may have forgot about you laughing and to you weren't like hysterically laughing. It was like this this manic laugh. And the best way I could compare it to is uh remember towards the end of Christmas vacation, Chevy Chase he thinks he's getting that big bonus, you know, he's gonna buy an in-ground swimming pool for his entire family. <laughs> and then it's just like a coupon for like free ice cream, you know, and he's like <laughs> and like then he goes off, he gets a chainsaw and like just goes yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I re- relate your laugh to, oh, no. except you didn't, you know, do anything with the chainsaw or do any kind of property damage. So No, and, and yeah. we, we've talked about that the the premise that, you know, every guy gets one. You know, you always see the videos of, of dudes <laughs> who just lose it and like break their TV or or smash something that is expensive out of out of sheer rage and I'm firmly of the belief that you know there there will come a time in each of our lives where we do that now you you kind of used yours once when you punched a hole in the uh, ceiling of my mother's house but at the same time we Not blame LJ Smith for that so yes. I don't I don't think that's really your fault but the the surprising thing looking back is that I don't believe that I harmed anything i don't think i even punched like a pillow or a cushion or something safe you know yeah and, and you know what dan it, it really speaks to your growth as an, a person <laughs> because i can go back as far as you know elementary school when you would throw a remote at the tv when uh you know playing a video game yeah, and... th- those those were those tvs were indestructible first of all those were tube tvs so oh yeah I knew that they were safe absolutely do you remember my super nintendo i used to always put a vhs tape over the front because i cracked it open yep yeah i used to i used to hammer that thing with controllers man <laughs> i think it was an absolute unit still worked still worked it had it coming damn it but yeah two years to the day and the the consequences of of that shot have have been felt all the way up to this current team. And while we've talked about it, obviously, you know, we've been a pod since then. And we've talked about our thoughts on whether or not if they somehow make it out, you know, if that goes to overtime, you know, if they win, that maybe they could have gone all the way because they really were a great team that year. And Kawhi just, you know, does his thing and, and obviously goes on to win the finals and win finals MVP. We know that whole story. So, you know, we've talked about the the multiverse of possibilities if that shot doesn't fall, but ultimately it does. And it, and it sets in motion so many things that have now set this team to where they are. So beings that you don't know, you know, there's obviously no guarantee as to what happens even if that shot doesn't go in. I'll ask you this, Steve, if – if I said, hey, that team wins that game, the Sixers win that game and go on to the Eastern Conference Finals, or this team, as it currently stands, entering this postseason as the one seed, which do you give a better percentage chance to win the whole thing? That year's team starting off in the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee or this year's team 
starting in round one, but as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference with home court and, you know, this version of the team? Oh, I like my chances with this year's team better than two years ago. A few reasons. One being, I feel like a lot of great teams kind of have to pay their dues as far as always having that one team that they just, that always has their number and kind of get through. I think just, you know, whether it's the saying you have to take two steps, you know, backward to go forward or whatever. I feel like, especially with Embiid's career, like you got at some point, you know, win that battle. Like we talked about how Marcus Soles and other certain centers in the past have just always been great defending Embiid. So I feel like, you know, going through that kind of you know heartache and loss to a game seven, I mean, I, I think that's like in a way a good experience because you know, hey, we were that fucking close to getting an Eastern Conference final. So, so I, there's there's two sides to what you said, and and one I agree with, but one I think it, it honestly doesn't necessarily line up. So I I agree with the idea that. You know, going through that obviously builds character. I definitely think it woke something up in Joel Embiid for sure. And maybe even a guy like Tobias Harris, you know, albeit, you know, maybe it took him another year to really kind of get it back together. But there is something to be said for a team constructed like this that that's been built to be, you know, a long term contender that, you know, they have to take those lumps and learn from it and everything. But when you talk about, you know, teams that have your number and, you know, guys that have defended Joel Embiid well and, and needed to overcome that, well, if you're looking, you know, at this point, I mean, he still hasn't overcome a guy like Marcus Gasol, and he's not really going to get that chance this playoffs if if they do have it. So that question would remain unanswered, and their only chance at revenge against a guy like Kawhi Leonard would be to make it all the way to the finals, which is a possibility. So, you know, that would be the case. But if you look at the East and say, well, you know, who's had their number? Well, you know, it's been the Celtics, and one, you're probably not going to play them anyway, and two, if you do, yeah. they're a shell of themselves, especially now with the Jalen Brown injury. So. Like, I don't care about vanquishing demons, which is kind of what I think the second part was. Like, I don't care who they be. I, I, have, oh, yeah. I, have, no, I, I have no agenda that needs to, to be set other than they win the title. I, I don't give a shit who they go through. I don't care if you beat Brooklyn. I don't care if you be, beat Milwaukee. Like, you're going to have to beat one of them. But, I, you know, like, I'm not going to – I'm never going to even give the time of day. I know how online I am, and I know how I can be baited. <laughs> You know, recent events speak for themselves, but I will never, I promise you, here's my promise. I promise you that I will never engage with a Brooklyn or Milwaukee fan who doesn't face us this postseason if we win the chip and goes, oh, well, if they would have played us, things would have been different. No, 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 no. I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. I don't care. We're going to beat the shittiest eighth seed. And then we're going to fucking hammer like the Hawks. And then we're going to play a real team and it's going to be a tough series. And then we're going to go to the finals and we're going to play another good team. And it's going to be a tough series. And that's it. That's what it takes to win the title. And it's all I care about. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. And it's sort of funny because I feel like the old Sixers Twitter take was like, Oh, we're not built for the regular season. You know, we're built for the playoffs, which I don't know if anyone you know wants to, to raise their hand and admit it, but we were pretty much wrong about that. Um, obviously, you have to be good both good during both the regular season and the playoffs. But 
you know, fans can't, you know, then turn around and be like, oh, well, you know, you, you had an easy, uh, you know, regular season, blah, 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 blah. So that's why you avoid it. It's like, no, they fucking earned it. And yep. for some reason, I, I feel like this has kind of died down a bit, but so many people and I were like, oh, or even sports radio, like, well, the Sixers haven't played anyone real in the last two or three weeks. Like, like one, like, like that's, you know, like they planned it that way. No, they don't have any control over his schedule. And two, how many spans of games were there where we played five games in seven days? You know? Yeah, and, and, again, and against good teams. Fight, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Like, okay. didn't we didn't we host Phoenix and go straight to Milwaukee the next night and then play Milwaukee again with yep. one day in between? Like, and no Ben Simmons. Yeah, like, that like, schedule fucking sucked. This is the reward of the other... Eight times a season where we were like, man, this is a brutal stretch. And, and dude, it's just looking back. I mean, this current stretch that we're on right now, we, you know, we, we, we blew away teams like OKC. I mean, we lost a tight one to Indiana, but that's whatever. Uh, beat the Rockets. We had, we finished this season with two against Orlando. Dude, like going back that same season two years ago. How many of those games would we have lost or played down to their level? <laughs> like, well, wasn't was that the season that they won like seventeen in a row to get in, or was that the year before? Because mm. I'm just saying, most of the time they do head into the playoffs pretty hot and beat up on bad teams. So, yeah, that that is the mo of of this team a little bit. But but, but again, it doesn't matter. And those same people that are complaining that they haven't played anybody and that there hasn't been any like real competition are the same ones who are freaking out now that they didn't clinch the one last night and talking about how important rest is. Well, you've basically had like two weeks of uh, getting some rest because you haven't had to run anybody in the ground to win these games. So again, like people can't decide what they want. Like, do you want to win games and get home court and also not run your guys into the ground? Or do you want to, you know, play 500 basketball with Embiid and Simmons playing 40 minutes a night and end up as the two or three seed all for the sake of saying, Oh yeah, well we played against really good teams. So, you know, that's good preparation. It's like, man, you, you've been preparing all season and you've played, all the teams. You've played every team. Like, yeah. It's not like the season w- was that short. You know, you go from 72 to 82. They still made sure that you saw every, I think you still played every team twice at least, didn't you? Like, what, yeah. are, what are we talking and about I, here? I think part of it too is a lot of people like to go back to that old sports debate where you see this a lot in, um, in the NBA, you know, even the uh, NHL where, because of seven game series, you get teams that, you know, they'll, they'll sweep or get the gentleman sweep, you know, be out after four or five games, win the series. And then the next team they uh, face in the next round, that team will just have, go on six or seven. And then, you know, that team is going to be tired. Not really. They might get one or two days off for the next round. But the team that won, they're going to have almost a week and then pass events more. So then I think because of that, people are like, oh, are they getting too much rest? You know, like, you know, could they have played one more game? Like, so I think that's just like a They can't a dumb win. There, there's never, it's just, yeah, there's, it's always there's no something, winning. man. And dude, like, let's be honest. Like, like, this entire year has sucked with the scheduling and COVID. So I feel that, you know, we're definitely one of the teams that if we have a week off, I don't think it's going to affect us too much. And dude, look, look at Ben Simmons when he came 
uh, back uh, a couple days after the those, uh, the last game of Milwaukee, dude, like Ben did not look like he was out of the lineup for two weeks. He came back in fantastic shape. And Embiid, with his history, he's been able to come back and you know turn it on. Like there, sometimes he's just like, you know, maybe his cardio level isn't as high, but I, none of that worries me about this team. Yeah, and I mean, you assume at this point, based off the loss to Indiana, that they're going to take the Miami game pretty seriously Thursday night at 7.30, flex to a national game. And a lot of people were saying, like, oh, like even if we clinch the one, like I want to you know, face Miami so that we can keep them in whatever seed. And I was like, listen, I don't care about any of that, but I'm, I'm of the belief, again, I don't think people are talking enough about the play-in tournament providing them a ton of extra time off and saying, like, I don't need Embiid to sit from, you know, Tuesday to the following weekend. Like, I wanted them to play guys on against the Heat regardless of if they clinched the one seed or not. And it doesn't have anything to do with it being Miami. Like, I would, whatever that game was, I would want people to play. And then if you want to give them off the weekend with the back, with the two games with Orlando on Friday and Sunday, fine. Who gives a shit? Like, I'm going to the game Friday, and I fully expect to see you know 30 plus minutes of Tyrese Maxey and B-ball Paul, and you know maybe see Furkan get out there and and test his ankle a little bit. Like that's what I expect. I don't expect to see Joel Embiid. I don't expect to see Tobias Harris. Maybe Ben plays Friday and also sits Sunday. I mean, I don't I don't know exactly how they do it, but yeah. you know I don't expect to see any of those guys, and that's fine, uh, assuming they they've clinched the one seed by then, which I believe they will. So yeah, and that play in tourneys from Tuesday May eighteenth to Friday the twenty first, so that's four days. Yeah, and, and then the playoffs again they pl- they play Sunday. Saturday, they so. they won't play anybody Sunday. So even if they put guys out there for like a half on Friday night, which I still am not sure that they'll even need to do or want to do, you know, you're going to be off from Saturday until the following Saturday or Sunday. Cause they may not play Saturday. They may play Sunday. So it's a yeah. lot of time, man. It's a lot of time. So I don't think you're going to have to worry, worry about them not being, you know, as fresh as possible going into this, obviously, you know, with a shortened off season and, and the compressed schedule that they've had, you know, no one's going to be a hundred percent, but it's a real nice break. I mean, there was a quote from Tobias Harris, uh, like yesterday, I think where he had he had like two complete days off for the first time in forever, and he was like, it felt like a vacation. He's like, with this <laughs> schedule, I yeah. just I haven't had like a full two days off in so long, and like I just really needed it. And you saw it last night. I know people are upset about that game, but Tobias scored twenty seven points in that game. You know, tried to do everything he could. Him and Ben Simmons, I thought both had had really good games, and of course woke up to a bunch of Ben Simmons slander. And I just I I don't get it. Uh, I'm not really interested. I don't know if you have if you have any real takeaways from that game, but uh, my takeaway is that the Pacers, who really have nothing to play for, uh, ran Sabonis and Lavert into the ground, both playing 40 fucking minutes just to yeah. beat a Sixers team who didn't really care about the game. So, like, I don't I don't put any weight into that one. Do you? No, I don't. I mean, I, I have no weight in that. I don't have any real takeaways from that game, but you know, they always say that winning cures all. Correct. And that doesn't always happen in Philadelphia because we're going to be the number one seed and people are still fucking bitching and complaining about Ben Simmons. And the only thought I had was, you know what? If and when we win a chip, I am going to make sure that all these assholes on the, on the radio, on Twitter, who said shit about Ben, 
I am just going to make sure between now and 40 years from now that they remember all those bad Simmons takes. Uh, okay, well, you know, maybe- hold, hold that thought, Steve, because you know when we talk about assholes on the radio with Ben Simmons takes, we've got somebody to talk about. But I just, I just oh, want to say sorry. one last thing about this loss because you're right. Winning cures all wounds. We know that even though it seems like this fan base was equally as upset that they had won eight straight against inferior teams mm-hmm. as they are that they lost their most recent one. But, Steve, if I told you that over their last nine games they were 8-1, and one, would you be upset? Hell no. Well, over their last nine games, they're 8-1. and one. It just so yeah. happens that one was last night. Mm-hmm. Fucking relax. But speaking yeah. of uh, radio people who have Ben Simmons takes, uh, Spike Eskin is leaving WIP to be the like vice president or like something program director shit, whatever he does at WFAN New York. So I thought it was interesting for us to talk about, you know, the, the, the Ricky culture has, has plummeted in my opinion over the last year or two. Uh, I won't speak for you on that. I will ask you, but obviously we've been very vocal since before we even started doing this podcast, you know, we were day one Ricky guys. We were at the first lottery party uh, all the way up at Miller's in the Northeast, just me and you driving all the way out there, having no idea what to expect. Yeah. A hundred people on the back patio of a Miller's. And, you know, it, it turned into going to Xfinity Live and, you know, having 5,000 people there. It turned into having banners hanging in the rafters and like VIP access and meeting players and taking bus trips to places. But you know, something, something changed and I don't ultimately know what it was or when it started, but I just started feeling like, you know, that, that culture and that environment was no longer for me. And I don't really know why that was, but I will say to Spike's credit that like, obviously when the rookie started, like it did a great job of bringing a lot of estranged Sixers fans together. Like we didn't know anybody. And honestly, even like me and you have been best friends forever. And we've both always loved basketball and the Sixers. But like, even in, in our group, like it's really just us. Like we don't have any other friends that like love basketball the way we do that love this franchise the way we do. And it helped introduce us to, you know, a lot of people and, and at least for me, uh, especially personally, like I, like a lot of people that I legitimately consider, you know, friends of mine people that I talk to a lot people that, you know, I'm very happy to have in my life. And a lot of that came from, you know, a culture that started with that. So I have to give it credit for that, but I can't really explain what went wrong with it. And, and unfortunately, if I, if I really try to think about it, the, the thing that comes most to mind is honestly spike. Uh, and I feel yeah. like he just, he just kind of soured it. And I don't know if that was by design. I don't know if, you know, his role, all his role changes at WIP had something to do with that. Um, you know, I really don't know, but I, I'm not sad to see him go at this point. I'll, I'll say that. Apparently, they're still going to do the pod and, you know, good for anybody who likes that and, and wants that or whatever. Again, like, you know, Zoe writes for them, does the newsletter. It's awesome. I still like listening to Mike Levin, but I don't listen because I don't want to listen to Spike. Um, you know, AU's writing is still pretty good. So, like, you know, it's not, it's not like there's a ton of bad stuff coming from there. But I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I don't know. It's not for me. What, but like, you know, give me your thoughts overall on, uh, I guess, you know, 
what what that's kind of meant to you and and you know things like that. You know what, Spike Eskin, he's a dope. He's a disgrace. Holy shit! Okay, uh, you're really doing it. Yeah, uh, no, that's it. Yeah, yeah, dude. I think we're kind of along the like, same. Can he take his line. fucking dad with him? That I would, I would love him forever if he took his dad with him. Yeah, right. That that would that would be like, all right, man. You know what? You did us all a favor. No more trolling or subtweets or whatever. So, yeah, th- this is going to sound really, really dumb, but like, I feel like it started off so hot and then it just suddenly you know, just died and it's hard to pinpoint it. It's almost like what, you know, when the NWO started and the Monday oh night, God. you know, wars of wrestling, like it was the hottest thing. Like that was, the, but, but then, then there were just, like 23 people in it and two yeah. factions of it. And yeah. So a lot of, I just felt like a lot of with the, whether it's the pot or the culture, it just almost felt like all it really was, was this grandeur of just, like an ongoing comedy bit and it's just after a while it's just kind of like it just wears thin and then you get sick and tired of it and then you just don't even want to be bothered by it anymore i you know and, and i think what makes me a little different is just like in the past like you know couple of years i've just not have you know i haven't been as active or engaging on twitter or the online guy and like i really for sake of my mental health there's I just like, all right, I just need to not like pay attention to any of this shit. God bless. And then you. it got, yeah. And it got to the point. It's like, Oh, so I'm not going to get what they're talking about because of what someone said on Twitter. Like, or, okay. Like I thought this was a basketball podcast. I just, okay. Kinda, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So you think that by not being like extremely online guy, like for, like for example, myself, that you actually felt disconnected from the content of the pod because you felt that the content was derived from things that happened online that much. Yeah. A good part of it. Definitely. Wow. That's, that's, I, I like, that's crazy. The thing, it makes total sense. And again, like the fact that I am so online, I guess like it's hard to notice when you're there. The fact that you talked about the comedy bit part, I think is on like you, you nail it with that because when it seems genuine and and fun and everything and you don't think of it as a bit, you can enjoy it. And then once it feels like a bit and, you know, acts like a bit and you realize it's a bit, all of a sudden, you know, it's it's yeah. you know, everything comes back to wrestling. It's like the fourth wall coming down. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, wait, this is this is actually what it is." Like you had this, you know, imagining of it being something else and then you're like, "No, wait. This is what it is." And now it doesn't really work for me anymore. Yeah, and I just feel like too. The only other thing is like, I've noticed some people they're like bigger fans of the podcast and then they are the basketball team. Oh yeah, you know? I mean absolutely. So I'm like, mm, that's yeah. a that's a great point too. Yeah, and I think that's the part like, so you being able to say, you know, maybe a lot of the stuff didn't really appeal to you as much because you weren't the online guy me being the online guy the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way was how many people on there seemed like they really you know weren't they were fans of that more than the team and they they really weren't fans of the team they were fans of the takes and the agendas and all the extracurricular stuff that that doesn't ultimately have anything to do with this franchise being successful and the end goal of being a championship team because again like 
This podcast agenda from day one of starting is I want to see this fucking team win a championship, maybe yeah. more than one. Here, here's another uh, bad comparison. Remember, at like the very end of the movie Road Trip, you're like, yeah, this guy, uh, he he started a suicide cult, and then they all met, and he drank the Kool Aid, and then everyone just left. <laughs> okay, wait, hold, okay, you just uh, for some reason I thought you were talking about Road House. Oh, no. And that road trip. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I love Roadhouse. How the fuck is he going to put this together? And then I was like, wait, is that how Roadhouse ended? Did I not finish the movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm fried, dude. No, okay. I get exactly what you're talking about. You know what's funny? I don't even know if I remember how Roadhouse ended because I feel like there was a, a few years span in my childhood where that's a, that was a movie that was always on TNT, TBS, on like a Saturday early afternoon that I would just fall asleep at some point. So Dude, they have that like epic <laughs> fight on the beach and like, doesn't he like roundhouse kick somebody's head off Patrick Swayze? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's where the movie ends. I think, Oh, I don't know if that's like the end end, but that's pretty much like, that's the resolution yeah. I think is he like fucking kills a guy. Interesting. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while, but I'm pretty sure that's it. It could just yeah, be making things right. entirely up at this point, man. It's been a, it's been a rough week so far, but yeah, All right, so let's get let, let's get that out of the way. So on to some funnier things, and and these were a lot of online things, and and I I guess I didn't realize how like how good you've been about not being extremely online, and I'm proud of you because I feel like I have to send you so many things. Oh yeah, but I try to keep you informed of the stuff that I do think is worth seeing, and and one of the awesome things that we were able to see this week was Daryl Morey going back and forth with Kevin O'Connor of the <laughs> ringer who Kevin O'Connor, who is a very, very obvious Celtics fit closet Celtics fan. I mean, I don't think he hides it yeah. too much, but he writes a lot about, you know, stuff outside of Boston when he clearly should just focus on like covering the Celtics beat for what it's worth. But so uh, KOC wrote about, you know, NBA awards and he, he has a ballot obviously for, you know, all NBA and MVP and things like that. And what the controversy has basically been and see if I kind of had to like explain this to you. So for anybody who doesn't really, you know, know what's going on here is listen, I've conceded the MVP to Jokic. I'm not, I'm not banging the drum for Embiid for MVP anymore. Do I think he's the MVP of the league? Yeah. Do I understand that he's not going to win the award? Yes, as well. So whatever. You know, if you were like, hey, who is the most valuable player in the league? To me, it's Joel Embiid. Yeah. He, ma- he makes more of a difference. Like, he could take this team to the finals. I don't think Jokic can take the Nuggets to the finals. He, like, Jamal Murray injury be damned. Like, dude, take, you know, take, take Tobias or Ben out of this lineup, and I'm not making – you know, the excuse for Embiid, just as I'm not making it for Jokic. Like, Embiid is still that good. It obviously hurts their chances. You get what I'm saying, but... Yeah. So, for, like, all-NBA team, you can technically put them both on the first team. You you are allowed to list either of them as a forward. So, you don't have to list them at center. So, like, it's allowed. It, it's part of the thing. Now, the, the NBA uh, media, who votes for these awards, which is a whole conflict of interest in itself. Yeah. Are, are now having this like existential crisis on whether it should be the five best players. If you should put guys into positions. And so Kevin O'Connor kind of like flips back and forth here because here's the problem. He 
he basically says that Jokic and Embiid are one and two for MVP. So first of all, then he doesn't have Embiid on first team All NBA. So it's like you're basically saying Embiid's the second best player in the league, but you're not putting him on the on the lineup of the top five players in the NBA. So like Daryl yeah. Moore literally says this to him. I, I I don't know that a GM's even allowed or supposed to be doing this. Like I I haven't seen no, anything he, about him getting fined no or anything, but. So so he replies to Kevin O'Connor's tweet referencing his art, linking his article, I should say. And Darren Moore says, quote, you think a player is the second best in the league for MVP, but you don't have him as one of the top five players for all NBA makes sense. And of course, Sixers Twitter sees this and just absolutely loses it. And and everybody is backing Daryl and, and all of these things. But um Kevin O'Connor goes like goes on and and continues to engage with this. And the other thing that then is pointed out is that he doesn't ha- he refused to list them both for uh first team all NBA, but then he was willing to uh put two guys like side by side for for the first team all defense. So he basically won't break the rule for all NBA, but he'll break the rule for all defense. So like there's just there's just a lot of of conflicting you know arguments here and Steve I just wanted to get your thoughts basically on like how how you view this entire conundrum of whether you know like would like if you had a vote would would you um like would you pick the five best players regardless of position like there still are technically some positional limitations, I think. But like, if you could list Jokic yeah. and Embiid at center and forward and get them both on your ballot, like, would you or would you have this, like, you know, existential crisis of no, they're both centers and there can only be one. I uh, so what what it was is that um, for for his all defense on the first team, he has Gobert at center and Bam Adebayo at forward when Bam's a center. And on the second team, he has Capella at center and Embiid at forward. So he's willing to list Embiid as a what? forward for the all-defense team, but he wasn't willing to do it for the all-NBA team. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with uh, Daryl Morey. I think the argument's kind of silly because, sure, 20 years ago, when a center was a center and a power forward was a power forward, that made sense at that time. When Shaq was the center on, you know, the All NBA first team, there wasn't another center out there that was among the top names of the MVP race with him. You know, mm-hmm. there was a clear drop down from say Shaq to, you know, whomever else. Uh, but in today's game, you know, we've talked about before about how we're really in an era of positionless basketball and. How many times do we watch a Sixers game and be like, wow, look at Embiid. Like, those are things a big man shouldn't be doing. And, you know, Jokic isn't exactly, you know, Mr. I'm just going to stand in the paint and get all my points inside. You know, that's that's not really his game. So I think there should be some limitation. Like, you know, they they shouldn't have an all-NBA team where there's absolutely no guards, you know. Uh, But, yeah, to... To have two quote unquote centers, one listed as a power forward, I mean, it it, it just makes sense. I mean, what what are you gonna have an all NBA first team where it's like, okay, you have Jokic or Embiid as the center, but then Julius Randle at power forward or whatever? Right. Like 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I just don't see it. And so and Darryl, yeah, he contradicts himself with the defensive team. Yeah, Daryl goes on to say, if a player is second best in MVP, it follows that he is one of the five best players in the NBA. Positions don't really exist now, if they ever did. Even if you use positions, you can't just focus on the position they play on defense. And also, Kevin, in that article, you list Embiid at forward for a different <laughs> award. So uh, there, there's clearly a lot of problems with it. But Sounds like he needs to write a uh, an open apology letter to uh, <laughs> Daryl Morey on Twitter. Yeah. So... Like I I agree that I would basically list my five top players and again and I'm with you as well that you know there needs like I wouldn't it's not like I would say okay here's my five it's Gobert and Bead Jokic Bam and Anthony Davis like you know like yeah. you need to have two guards on there and the and the definition of guard could be pretty loose I mean I'm pretty sure Paul George is considered a guard in this one like to me Paul George is a power forward but for the Clippers he essentially plays shooting guard and and ball handles a lot so like fine put him wherever. If you had him on a list, same with a guy like Kawhi Leonard, like he's a small or a guy forward, like Ben Simmons, <laughs> right? Yeah, there, there's so many players that you could argue could be between, but I still think that you would need to have you know some semblance of that. Yeah, uh, he also goes on to have Rudy Gobert as his defensive player of the year over Ben Simmons, uh, which we've talked about enough. I, I I'm sure we would get really pissed off at him for that, but uh, it doesn't matter because Ben's going to win it anyway. Here's here's the one I really want to see where you stand because I'm very surprised by this. He has Joe Ingles as the sixth man of the year. Really? Joe Ingles. Mm. Do you know who's like actually Utah's sixth man? Because it's not even Joe Ingles. It's Jordan yeah. Clarkson. Yeah, because I, I know a few years ago he was like, a six man, but I thought he was starting now. No, Ingle, no, because they have uh, Bogdanovich. Oh, okay, right. But right. but Jordan Clarkson is their sixth man and is playing better than Joe Ingles. I completely right. don't fucking understand how you list Joe Ingles over Jordan. Cl- I mean, Jordan Clarkson, I think dropped forty the other night against Golden State. I mean, he's been their lifeblood off the bench for the majority of this season. So, like, that one is really weird to me, too. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, the, this all-NBA team. So, he has Jokic, Giannis, Kawhi, Steph, and Luka first team. And then Embiid, Julius Randle, LeBron, Dame, and Chris Paul on the second team. I mean, it, it's hard to argue with, with the first team, I guess. Like, I don't know who you yeah. take off for Embiid. Maybe he deserves it over Kawhi. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. Ga- I mean, they've both missed time, so I think you can't really use a games played case for either of them. Right. And again, if you're saying that Embiid would be second in your MVP voting, then how is he not? Like, if Kawhi's not second in MVP voting, is doesn't that stand to reason that Embiid's had a better season and thus is more deserving than Kawhi Leonard is? Yeah, who were the forwards big men in that first one again? Jokic, Giannis, and Kawhi. So Jokic is the center, and Giannis and Kawhi are the forwards. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you have Jokic as your MVP, then it, it, it makes sense. But again, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would think Embiid would make more sense over Kawhi Leonard maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, but, you can't take you can't take Giannis yeah. off the list. It has to be yeah. Kawhi. And then all defense, first team, Gobert, Bam, Draymond Green, Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday. Second team, Clint Capella, Joel Embiid, Giannis, Macau Bridges, Matisse Thybul. I mean, I don't have any problems with that, at least. Nah. But again, it, I... it's a matter of you listed four centers here, but you're refusing to list multiple centers for all NBA. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. And if anything, man, like, wouldn't you think that if you're talking about a, a defensive team, it would be more prudent to not play two centers? Like, just yeah. theoretically, wouldn't it matter more to have specific positions? Because, like, Clint Capella and Joel Embiid really can't play together defensively. Yeah. I know it doesn't matter. It's all trivial. But, you know, I don't know. That's just the way I kind of think about it. Um. But the the real point of that was just Daryl Morey and, and the the shit that he does online. Um, man, I'm just so happy that he's here, not only because of the success of the team, but just his personality in general. And going with that, uh, another thing that Daryl Morey tweeted out, and this will kind of tie us between this and the the Rice Ricky Sanchez talk, uh, taking us back to our process days, is that Morey tweeted out, uh, sometime over the last couple of days that Sam Hankey should be a bell ringer for the playoffs. Tagged Sam Hankey on Twitter saying, let's see if we can't get him to ring the bell right. for the playoffs. Steve, we should be attending a couple games of this postseason. How would how would you react to going to a game and then seeing Sam Hankey walk out on the court and swing away at the you know fake-ass Liberty Bell and just erupt you know 10,000-plus fans in the Wells Fargo Center? I I would react very favorably. Um, I don't know if I'd be as excited as when they got, um, uh, shit, what was his name? Um, who, um, who was the rapper that, like, was it Meek Mill? Like, he's not, I don't think he deserves, like, a Meek Mill kind of reaction or applause, but, you know, I, it'll be up there. It'll be really exciting. I'm just you don't think that Sam Hankey, a former GM of the team, whose idea it was was to tank the franchise to acquire the stars that have gotten us here, mm-hmm. should get the same applause that Meek Mill did. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I, th- I just feel like the crowd in general because he he was just one of those polarizing figures that okay. people like to debate about. Okay, so that that, I think that makes sense. In, yeah, in some like it would probably work out to be average but you know i am going to be like yeah the dude deserves due especially with the whole colangelo but you also know that even even the people on the you're right about how polarizing he is i'll give you that but you also know that anybody who's attending that game even if they hated him is going to be an absolute fraud and lose their mind at that point right yeah and i'm okay with that okay all right well if you're okay with it i am then i'll i'll let it go you're i'm surprised you're okay with it but uh, you know, you, you've said a lot of things on this that have really proven that you're you're maturing at a at this point oh, in your life. You. It took it took you long enough, and it's taking although, me taking me even yeah. longer. So, <laughs> although the question I would ask is, do you think Hinky would even really consider it or go? No, absolutely. Yeah, not. I don't think no. Because yeah, I'm. It just that was like going to be my last question to you: is do you think he would do it? And I. Uh, a thousand percent. No. I can't, he, there's no way he shows up because he clearly has put basketball entirely in the past. So I don't. I th- I honestly, there's a small part of him that I think likes 
I think he likes knowing that he could absolutely get that crowd to go nuts and that he's holding it from them. I don't know, man. There's something yeah. sick about him. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe with, you know, a 100% capacity, but maybe. with only 10,000. <laughs> oh, maybe so you, not worth You think spot. he's going to hold out for the full crowd? Yeah, maybe. I Dude, if they got to the finals, maybe it pulls him in. I think it would take the finals to pull yeah. him in. That's what I'll say. Him showing up okay. for anything short of a finals game almost feels like a jinx. Like, we've, we phoned it in too early. Yeah. But you get to the finals, then I feel like you got, you get, like, I'll go arrest him myself. Like, cuff him up, put a bag over his head, throw him in a trunk, and he just wakes yeah. up and he's on, he's, he's on the floor, the spotlight's on him, remove the cuffs yeah. and hand him the hammer and be like, all you got to do is strike this bell and you're a free man. Yeah, and I know, you know, COVID has a hand as with everything else, but throughout the regular season, they've had some really, uh, like duds or you know just a bench player ringing the bell i'm just going to be mad in the playoffs if it's like oh and ringing the bell you know ben Simmons. it's like like no you, you got to get the a-list oh yeah no at, th- at this yeah. point i'm not i think i think they're going to roll out some pretty good names for the playoffs yeah i will be really upset if it's like current roster players or like if it's michael rubin i'm gonna boo the shit out of him like don't try that with me like yeah michael I, I i need meek you know, I'll take Will Smith if I have to. Like, you know, get me a like. You know, you you, you can get away with oh, an, we a, need an AI. You can get an AI and a Doctor J. Fine. Like, I'll live with that as long as everyone else is, you know, right. a, 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 a a list celeb or other athlete. You know, get get Jalen Hurts back in here. Have him and Devonte Smith yeah. do it. Uh, I don't want to see Mike Trout's ass. Get the fuck out of here. No, thank uh-huh. you. No flyers. Um, and probably yeah. no Phillies. Maybe Bryce. I, yeah, I, 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 I'd allow Bryce. Or Chris Long. <laughs> in an Iverson jersey. Oh, that, oh that, that would be really good. Okay. How about that? Yeah. I think yeah. for the next pod, we're going to have to come up with our top five playoff bell ringers. Oh, okay. That, that, That's that, a good one. Yeah, write that yeah. down. We got to do that. Okay. Top five bell ringers. Looking at the standings. In the Eastern Conference, as of this podcast, which is before any of the Wednesday, May 12th games have uh, started, the Sixers, two games up on Brooklyn, three games up on Milwaukee. The magic number remains one. We play Miami 7.30 tomorrow night on Thursday. Right now, the biggest thing, honestly, that has my attention is the three-way tie with Atlanta, Miami, and the Knicks for the four seed because, like, you're basically trying to figure out who we're going to play in the second round as you imagine we're not going to have any issue with whoever is the runner-up of the play-in tournament. Right. But Miami right now, if they can get into that 4-5 matchup, could be the team you play in the second round. And uh, I hopped on uh, our friend Trill Bro Dude's podcast, which I won't say the name of because he's been working on changing it and apparently we'll have it changed by the next episode and has been refraining from saying it. So just know that he has a podcast and you can find it and you can listen to it. Uh, if you follow him or I, or a lot of people who were nice enough to share it, uh, my audio is a little funky. I don't know why I'm blaming Zencaster cause I hate it and I stopped using it because of that. But, uh, I think you can still make it out well enough, especially in like a car or anything. But, uh, point is we ranked, our Eastern Conference 
teams in tiers of you know who we feared to who we weren't really concerned with. So you can go to Trill's podcast to hear me and him discuss our tiers. But Steve, I wanted to hear yours as far as the East, and then we both did our own tiers for the West as well, which was kind of a conversation on Trill's pod. We we didn't break it into tiers so much. Uh, so. Steve, read me your tier list for the Sixers Eastern Conference opponents from the top teams that, you know, scare you to potentially could beat the Sixers down to the bottom, which are teams that pose no threat and are likely, you know, candidates to be swept, if not gentlemen swept. Okay, so I I have the tiers in, uh, you know, contenders, pretenders, meh, and whelp first round exits. Okay. That's how I categorize. So... Contenders, I, because I I have uh, Philly and Milwaukee. Like I, I think a lot of people, that's going to be the Eastern Conference Finals. Milwaukee scares me the most, like you've said. Um, I think it's just them and Philly, and then Brooklyn are the one you know pretenders. But oh, you but don't even of, have the Nets in the top tier. It's like kind of borderline overlapping. Maybe I wake up tomorrow and be like, "Nah, that was fucking dumb. I should move them up." But well, you'll you'll get I, a chance to revisit that because James Harden rejoins the Nets lineup tonight. It sounds like. Oh, that's tonight. Okay, yeah. So, and, and dude, you you made a really good point one or two episodes ago that they've only played a handful of games together. I mean, Harden, who's been known to have evaporated in the playoffs, is going to get what two or three games in before mm-hmm. then yeah he's so been out a I, while yeah and so and it's interesting because and i didn't want to you know i kind of refuse to believe this for the longest time but you know i think we said al harden he you know he has a history of like not missing a ton of games and he's always seems to be playing what like 60 70 games a year he doesn't miss a lot of games he plays and, more than that he i I think he generally plays like every game. Right. And that's why he evaporates in the playoffs, but this has got to be the first time in his career, in which he's had a really long break like this because of an injury. So, yeah, I mean, for a player at so, his so age, just to let you know, I looked it up. So he played 27 minutes on March 31st against Houston in what I assume must have been, you know, kind of like a blowout as it, it only finished one twenty one oh eight, but I'm going to assume they must have been handily in that game, and that's why he only needed to play 27 minutes. But he didn't play until April 5th versus the Knicks. He played four minutes, so he must have got hurt then. So basically hasn't played a full game since March 31st. It's May 12th. So we're talking about 45 yeah. days that he's been out and – um you know, like this is how he's going to have to ramp himself up prior to that. Uh, so last year he played 68 games, which that was a shortened season anyway. So that might've been how many games there were 78, 72, 81, 82, 81, 73, 78. That goes all the way back to his first year with Houston. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. there was a three year span where he went 81, 82, 81. Yeah. And, and I think there's also the issue of continuity, right? Where, you know, Embiid, Simmons, like a lot of these guys have played together for a while. And that's why we fear Milwaukee so much is because that lineup has been together for years now. Whereas for the Brooklyn, most part, yeah. That was my yeah, biggest for, point. Right, yeah. You, you made that point. Whereas Brooklyn, like, yes, they're, you know, these are all 
Irving and Durant, they've won titles in different places, but like this team still hasn't really played together. Yeah, there are three have... Hall of Famers, two with championship right. resumes, but there's nothing else on that team. They've barely played together. And Oh, you're not afraid of Blake Griffin, you're telling me? No. And and we talked about that on Trill's podcast too. And something that you've mentioned a few times on this pod about the Nets is their coach. Or, oh God, or lack yeah. thereof. Total beta. Have you yeah. heard like Steve Nash has to be the least talked about head coach I've ever seen in an NBA season on a on a team with this kind of profile. You have not heard anything about him. And I think yeah. it I think it stands to the point that like I don't think people believe he's coaching that team. Yeah. I'm not it, sure who is, but I don't think it's him. Yeah, and oh god, there's something with Steve Nash too. He he recently said, but uh yeah, man, I uh I think sometime last week I watched the last 5 minutes of when they uh played Dallas and like I I don't know if that's that team the nets are doing at times it just it kind of looked reminiscent of the you know maybe like a middle school or high school basketball team where because they were down like it was just like everyone was just trying to get katie the ball to get a wide open three and there, there was just like no no clue no idea it was just kind of just, just no coaching it's 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 really uh you know it's it's interesting i and listen, yeah, so. as, as Sixers fans, if we've learned anything from the past few years of the playoffs, it's how valuable it comes down to, co- like how much it comes down to coaching, how valuable coaching is. Because we've seen Brad Stevens and Nick Nurse and and even like in a series we won, like Eric Spolstra, like just throw so many different things at you and make in-game adjustments. And it's something that Brett always got grilled for. And you're telling me that, at the same time, people are, are going to say that Steve Nash is going to be able to, in his first year ever coaching with these personalities, this lack of continuity, this lack of time to practice at all, guys being injured the entire season, that he's just going to all of a sudden figure it out in, in, in his first postseason and, and get through you know, two absolute juggernauts in Philadelphia and Milwaukee while he's at it. I don't, I don't think so, man. Yeah. I really don't think so. Yeah, right, give me, give me, give me the rest of your when- list. Yeah, and it's just weird because, I don't know, like, with these super teams that they always put together, I think one thing people always forget to mention is they always have a coach there that is has won before or just, you know, very reliable. Coach right, like well Doc in Boston is a great example. Yeah, Doc in Boston, you know, uh, Splusher kind of grew into his own and, like, Nick Nurse, like, those are two guys where – Let's just say they left or got fired. Like they're going to have a job tomorrow, right? You know they're they're I, that. Good I mean, you could say, like, I guess you could say it about Ty Lue as well. I mean, he did a good yeah. job with LeBron returning to Cleveland. Steve Kerr with the Warriors, but yeah, um, but Steve t- Nash. T- talk to me about the rest of uh, your tiers in the East. Okay, so then I have so my meh category is that four through six: Atlanta, Miami, New York. I. You know, I don't think one team separates themselves significantly from the other. And whoever you play in a second round, I don't, I don't know. If one team scares me more than the other. So you, you so think, you're not even saying. So even if you have those three together, which I, I disagree with, but I can understand it. You don't like you don't have Miami like at least 
definitely ahead of those two, but in the same tier. Yeah, I feel... Yeah, I, like, I don't know. Like, if you say which one of those three I, do you want to play the least, it has to be Miami. I don't think. Oh that... yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, yeah. all right. I just want to make sure you're at least there with me. You're not. You're not really far off here. It's obviously like semantics to an extent. Um, yeah. and just getting some clarification, and then the rest: Washington, Charlotte, Boston, Indiana is all just at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. All right. L- let Boston, me hear. Let me hear your. Tanking, right? Let me hear your West teams because this we didn't. I didn't talk about with Trill. Um, specifically in a, in a tiers list kind of way, and I, I want to hear yours before I give you mine. Dude, the, the West is so weird. It, it, it was really tough to kind of put it together. And then I, I kind of uh, – yeah, so earlier today I was glancing through Twitter, and I saw a funny and interesting tweet by Joe Tanzi. If you don't know, he's he's a union soccer guy, soccer writer – uh, so if you pay attention, you'll know who he is. And I was like, what's he tweeting about basketball for? But he had an interesting tweet. How deflating must it be for the number one and number two seeds in the Western Conference to work all season to earn an advantage in the playoffs, then draw the Lakers and Warriors? There's a good chance a top four seed doesn't come out of the West. And it's that's what makes this difficult because I think in the, the top contenders, for me – I have the Lakers as one of them. I know they're the seventh seed right now, mm-hmm. but like, dude, that hey, Vegas that agrees team, with you, man. It's not, it's not a stretch at all. Yeah, and then i i i have I have Phoenix. I think they could get to the second round, but like, dude, Utah. Like, if you have Utah and the Lakers, you know, like, who do you have coming out of that game? Yeah. Like you know, so well, so so, so who's, in, kinda, who's in your top tier? Let's let's start. There. My top tier, I have the Lakers and Phoenix and and, and okay. the Clippers. Okay, so you have three teams in your top tier. Yeah. Okay, my top tier is the Clippers and the Jazz. They're my two favorites out of the West. Okay. So you have Lakers, Suns, and Clippers in your top tier. I have Clippers, Jazz. So we both have the Clippers there. So. Um, yeah, and I I think that's probably pretty universal. I think almost anybody's going to have the Clippers up there because of Kawhi and Paul George. And everything. I think I think the rest is pretty interchangeable. I, I feel weird putting the Jazz in mine. Um, yeah. So I, I assume they're in your second tier. So like I could easily yeah. be convinced of that. I have the Lakers and Suns in my second tier. So again, I'm not like I'm not paying much attention to the Lakers being in the bottom of the standings either. Obviously, when you have LeBron and AD, you have to be there. But it is scary that they're going to have to play such a daunting schedule and never have home court basically for the entire playoffs. Plus the fact that it's not like they're down there because of, you know, like just like really bad luck as far as like the schedule or what's been going on. I mean, AD and LeBron both had like pretty significant injuries and you don't really like AD has been playing for a little bit. So I guess it's safe to say he should be good to go. I think LeBron is, I think he might be debuting back again tonight too, or maybe tomorrow night. Um, Like you don't know what his status is going to be and he doesn't have much time to get ready. And at his age, there's no way he's anywhere close to a hundred percent. And like, let like come, it's a run on sentence. I know, but they're going to probably have to play in the play-in tournament. So he's not even going to get the time the rest that a lot of other guys are going to get. Like, that's yeah. going to be tough. Yeah. And my understanding of this play-in tournament, which I'll admit, I'll be the boomer here. I absolutely hate it. Uh, oh. But 
I but I think if they finish as a seventh seed, they only have to win that first game Correct. and then they're in. Well, so, so basically seven and eight are afforded a loss. So even if whoever loses the seven eight game plays the winner of the nine ten game. Right. So both seven and eight only technically have to win one game they get in because the winner of that game is automatically the seventh seed. And then even if they lose that game, they're gonna play the winner of nine ten and have another chance to get in as the eighth seed. Right. So yeah, so assuming that Lakers and Golden State end up as seven eight, one of them is automatically gonna be in. And then the other one is gonna get to play the winner of right now, Memphis San Antonio to get in. So it seems pretty safe to say the Lakers are in and almost pretty safe to say the Warriors are in because Yeah. Like the Warriors could beat the Lakers and just get in themselves, and then the Lakers are probably going to smash whichever of the other two teams they play. If the Lakers get past Golden State, then I'm probably going to take Golden State over either of the other teams. But, you know, Golden State's so up and down that if Steph has an off night, he they could lose to either of those teams as well. So that's what's scary if you're Golden State. I think if you're Golden State, you got to come guns blazing and try to beat the Lakers to get yourself in because the last thing you want to do is then have to go play another game where – you know, Steph goes cold, and all of a sudden, you don't get a chance against to upset a top team. Yeah, Steph needs to have one of his classic uh, going seven for thirteen from three, fifty point. You know, yeah, it, that's what it's going to take. And honestly, yeah. like you know, like Steph has creeped his crept his way into the MVP conversation, and in my eyes, rightfully so. He's had a hell of a year, and it's the only reason they're even where they are. But like, it's kind like he's not going to win MVP, obviously. But like, if he just gets them in. Like through this play-in tournament, I think that's going to cement this as like a pretty nice season for Golden State. Even if they get knocked out first round, they lose the play-in tournament, and I think you kind of say like, I think it's a bit of a blemish for Steph, to be honest. Like, not much, obviously. Like, it, it's yeah. not really going to matter in the end. But... It could be the first domino that falls, and oh well, no, I don't think that it's it's all a vacuum of the season. But I mean, I think that the way I'll say it is, I think putting on his resume that he took this team to the playoffs would be a bigger achievement than the blemish of not taking them. But either way, it's something that's going to be remembered for better or for worse. Yeah, that's true. All right, so my second tier is Lakers-Suns. What's your second tier? They they were both in your first tier. Yes, so I have Utah and Denver. Okay, so tell me... Tell me how you think Denver is in the same tier as Utah. That's something I would like to hear about. I mean, I honestly, I wanted to put Utah at my top tier. I kind of didn't out of spite. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what so, I have to say then. Yeah. We're all for spite I mean, here. I'm good. As long as you can admit it, then okay. it's absolutely oh, yeah, acceptable. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. just admit it then. All good. All right. So my, my, so I have, I have everything in pairs of two in the West. I think it breaks down pretty easily. My next tier is Denver and Portland, and this tier for me is like, they could beat any other team in the West in a seven game series, and I wouldn't be surprised. But they're not gonna do it three times in a row and make it to the finals. So it's like, yeah, they could upset somebody, but they can't do it each time. They're only each able to do it, you know, once. And for Denver. That's probably going to be the first round of Portland. You know, if you look, yeah. if you look at the standings right now for who those teams uh, project to face, you would have Denver playing Portland. So, like that Portland. kind of screws up the list for me because one of them is going yeah. to knock the other out. 
But Portland's tied with De- uh, Dallas right now, and Denver's only a game behind the Clippers. So there's a chance all that could switch. Like right now, Denver-Portland is is a really fun series. I would take Portland um, personally. So I guess if I'm like saying who I like more in that tier of Denver-Portland, I like Portland more because you have Dame and CJ, and they're, they're pretty much getting everybody back, while Denver without Murray just isn't as appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Who's in yeah. your third tier? So in my third tier, I actually have Portland, Dallas, and Golden State. Okay. And I know that sounds weird, but the thing that those three teams have in common is that they're going to be able to shoot their way into, you know, for the uh, Golden State Warriors, obviously, into the, uh, you know, into the playoffs, whereas, you know, Portland and Dallas, they could, you know, they can maybe shoot their way into a first round win but that's as far as they go i think so uh i agree i agree with Dallas. i mean i don't think dallas is even that great of a shooting team i I, i'm i'm really low on dallas um portland yeah uh, portland i mean come on man we're a dame podcast uh second to being a sixers podcast you like you you really don't think portland could can make noise like it's not that you would expect them to but like are you going to be that surprised if if the clippers you know knock the jazz out in the second round or something I don't oh, think no, you no, are. no. I just, uh, I, I, I feel like we almost, like, you know, we're Dame 316 podcast. Right. I love Dame. Mm-hmm. I love Portland. Mm-hmm. I just, it almost seems like we had this conversation every year with the Trailblazers where it's like, okay, that, you know, maybe this is the year they can get further. And then they, yeah, they but, hit a wall. And, yeah, but again, we like, have these guys in a pretty low tier. We're not expecting them to go all the way, but we yeah. talk about this every year because every year they upset somebody. Yeah. That's all I'm but, saying. So that's why I, I have them higher than that. And, like, like Portland can win a second-round series. Like, I don't think Golden State can. I don't think Dallas can. But, like, if you told me yeah. Portland – if you told me Portland makes the Western Conference Finals, it's not the most ludicrous thing in the world considering that the Lakers are hurt, that right now the Jazz are still figuring out, you know, who's going to be available with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. With Denver being shorthanded, like – would not surprise me in in, in in the least to see Portland in a conference final. Yeah, and and the other thing now that you mention it, uh, going back to that tweet I read earlier, I mean, there's a good chance where the top four doesn't make it to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, if the Clippers play the Lakers in the first round, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the only if the only possibility in the West I could see being the conference finals that doesn't involve a top four team as it stands now would be Portland and the Lakers. You could convince me that could happen. Um, yeah. Now, I don't even know, I guess, matchup-wise, like, it could also get there. That I'm, I guess right now, yeah, if Portland wins, then they would face, like, Utah in the second round, and then maybe, like, the Lakers face the Clippers. So, yeah, uh, it looks like, at least as far as matchup-wise, it, it could be an actual possibility, too. So, yeah, I mean, if you told me, Portland Lakers ends up being the Western Conference Finals. It isn't the craziest idea to me. It's the only one I can put together that doesn't involve a team currently in the top four that seems slightly plausible. But you're you're higher on the Lakers than I am, and I, I it sounds like I'm higher on Portland than you are. So I think we might just uh, be agreeing yeah. to disagree on those two. But it, it's 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 minimal uh, because again, like I, I think we're we're pretty aligned at the top and. 
uh, we're both pretty, especially with the Clippers having them in our top tier. So, um, yeah, I wanted to, and I assume you have Memphis and San Antonio like completely out of it, like I yeah, do. They're not yeah, even I, a thing. Okay, I wanted to tie that in to a a picture that I sent you of 538's latest projections, which around this time of year, a lot of people will make a big deal out of it. And if you'll recall, I believe two years ago when we were in the playoffs and unfortunately had that loss with Toronto, uh, that was also a year where 538 was very, very favorable toward us and, and actually had us as much more of a contender than our record or the standings or anything had said, and obviously that kind of fed into us and our excitement and our expectations and whatnot. So not that I want to have to revisit that kind of pain again and getting my hopes up, but this season's different because we've been high on this team all season. But even with that, obviously, you know, when you look at like Vegas and whatnot, you know, they've had the, the Sixers as either like the you know depending on where you look right now the second or third most likely team to even make it out of the East. They have them you know outside of like the top six as far as title contenders as far as like the odds go. You know Lakers are heavy favorites, Brooklyn's heavy favorite, and then you have teams like the Clippers uh, and the Jazz who are also up there as well. Sixers are more along the lines of like a Phoenix Suns type team who are you know a, a semi long shot, not an absolute you know crazy. Uh, underdog, but not not likely. But when you look at 538 and their projections, the Sixers are at the top of this list in both of these categories. So they are the the favorite to make the finals out of any team in the NBA and the favorite to win it out of any team in the NBA. A 47% chance to make the finals. The closest team is the Jazz at 33%. The entire 14% difference in projection to make the NBA Finals, and to win, the Sixers are the favorite at 25%, a 1-4 in four chance to win the NBA Finals as it stands right now with the Clippers and Jazz behind them at 19% apiece and the Nets at 14%, the only other team above 6%. So really what this tells me is it is a four-team race. And when you look back at, at our tiers list, I think it, it kind of fits into that pretty well. Uh, Sixers, Nets at the top of the East, Clippers, Jazz at the top of the West. Now, I know you and I both think that Milwaukee's a bigger threat than Brooklyn. Milwaukee, only 14% to make the final, 6% to win, but they are the fifth highest team on here. So given uh, some respect with that, Steve, when I sent you this and, and you took a look at it, what, what was your biggest takeaway from this? Uh, my biggest takeaway was, all right, good. It's, it's nice to see when uh, a website like this just happens to align with your police and your hometown team. Uh, I vaguely remember, you know, two years ago when we saw this uh, 538 and I'm thinking, all right, how, you know, how valid or legitimate is this thing? And then I remember within uh, the article they published with this, they had a, an entire link where it explains the entire statistical analyses and things and how they arrive to these numbers. And it's one of those things where I can't quote it or explain it, but I had a really good understanding of how it worked. And it's just weird between like these guys and, you know, Vegas for somehow, some way they, they just always know, dude. And you know, two years ago when we were ranked fairly high up there, I I can confidence 
can confidently say that at the time, like, oh, this is awesome. Might might be a little too hopeful here, but well, so I actually, like you said, it's different this time. Yeah, it is different this time. I actually just refreshed the site because the thing I sent you was from like yesterday or when I had seen it. So I guess things changed after last night. I, I probably should have thought about this before. Uh, okay. Six is still the favorite to make the finals. It has dipped to 43%. However, the Clippers are now the second favorite at 35% to make it. So we're both on with the Clippers now and the Sixers and Clippers are now tied as to win the finals favorites at 22% a piece just ahead of the Jazz. So the top four teams remain unchanged, but the Sixers have dipped just a bit, and the Clippers have climbed a little bit. So Sixers-Clippers, which was my finals prediction on Trill's podcast on Monday, uh, appears to also be backed pretty heavily right now by 538. Would Sixers-Clippers be your finals prediction as well, Steve? Yeah, I uh, I think when we uh, spoke in the beginning of the season, I... I just had L.A. versus Sixers, whether that's the Clippers or the Lakers. I, I, I see that, but definitely far more likely for it to be the, the, uh, the Clippers. So, um, you know, and, and maybe there's, there's a reason they're number one and two, right? Maybe it's just, uh, you know, there's this conspiracy that Vegas and NBA are in it, and it would make good theater with, Doc coaching against his old team, and we're playing Kawhi this time. Oh, believe me, I mean the storylines in that series and the narratives are yeah. are just juicy. Uh, again, so, I mean that is not that is not the finals matchup that that Vegas has as of now. But uh, well, it's not. No, uh, like I said, oh, okay. the Sixers are are I think currently like the third team in the East to even make it out the conference, uh, and not in the top six of finals favorites as far as uh, oh. at least as far as the last time I looked. I haven't looked today, but. I imagine it hasn't changed too much, especially coming off a loss last night. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, ideally, what we're going to do for our next episode is we are going to get a guest on from a podcast of the team that we should be facing in the first round. So, obviously, we're still waiting to figure out who that is. Once we know, we're going to work to get somebody on who's familiar with that team so we can break down that series, get predictions, get a scouting report, see what they're saying about the Sixers, and you know, go go over that series in detail. And then as we uh, have done in past seasons, uh, since Steve and I are usually able to watch playoff games together, we'll pod at least every other game, uh, if not more frequently than that, hopefully, especially now. Uh, this is the first time we've tested Steve actually doing the podcast from home. Uh, I think it worked out really well. It's been a great pod, so... Uh, we can definitely make this work so that if we're not able to be together, we can still do the podcast, though. I, I really like it when we're together. Just saying, my best yeah, friend. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm, obviously, as we've been saying this whole season, like, this team's great. It's fun. It's fun to watch. It's been fun to talk about, like, the bubble and all that really, really you know, I, I can't speak for Steve, but Steve also got – uh, some time off from this pod, uh, not for a great reason. Obviously, you were working your ass off, but uh, I think you got a little bit of a break. I like I was burnt out for a little bit, and even through the dog days of this season, for a little bit wasn't wasn't feeling great. But like I, I've really been like you know reinvigorated with this team, uh, the flame reignited, and I'm I'm so fucking ready. And that just... flame's going to get hotter, baby. Son, yeah, exactly, week. man. I'm I'm ready to burn up and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hear yeah. if you have oh. that kind of burning sensation that they, they make shampoos and stuff for that. So I may have to go shopping, but 
Yeah. As of now, and, I'm just going to deal with it. And this, Justin, Victor Oladipo is officially out for the rest of the season. Yeah, and we talked about that at the trade deadline, and I like I thought he was going to be more of a home record of Miami than a help anyway, so honestly, I, I can't tell you if that yeah. helps or hurts them. Uh, I, I really don't give a shit. Uh, Sixers and six, so whatever. Uh, Steve, mm-hmm. anything else before we go? No, I just, I just really hope that uh, I did hear one little nice positive chunk of news or whatever on the radio, and that hopefully the city, you know, supports this team like they did back in '01, where like, uh, okay, I heard heard this on a uh, WIP interview with Kyle Newbeck, and uh, you know, dude, at the time, like the city was on fire, like every car had their little Sixers flag. Yep. You know, get, gear up, everyone. It's going, it's going to be a good one. Oh, well, I can't wait for uh, Friday when I go to Military Appreciation Night and probably get some kind of Sixers camo towel or something because, you know. <laughs> that you won't be able to see. I love the yeah. troops. Love the troops. Um, all right, so, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we, we've been on a bit of a kick with our ratings and reviews uh, lately, which is awesome because we hadn't had any for a while. We're over 120 uh, ratings Ooh. now, which is really cool. Uh, still maintaining uh, essentially a 5.0 average, so really appreciate that. Uh, if anybody's feeling generous and has not done so yet, it, it really does help us out a lot to get those iTunes five-star ratings and the reviews that are written. They're, they're way more important. Uh, not that I won't accept your five-star rating, but would love if you could just write a few kind words as well. Appreciate all the recent love we have gotten. Uh, you know, there may, be, there may be a bit of a void soon in the... Sixers podcast realm and uh, we are happy to oblige and and uh, you know be there for anybody who wants to actually enjoy this team who wants to actually watch the games and and, and break them down uh, for real and and you know be be a little bit biased but not too biased you know realistic but at the same time root for the fucking team man I mean come on that's that's really what this is all about but uh, all jokes aside I mean obviously there's a lot of other uh, Sixers podcasts we really love too so um, again, if you missed uh, me on Trill's podcast, go check that out. If you follow me on Twitter at Dan says that or Trill at Trill Bro Dude, uh, you'll you'll find us sharing the link to that. Again, he's changing his name, or, or, or I would plug it. So I'm not doing it to be a dick. Uh, if you listen to his pod, you know the deal. So uh, go check that out. Again, follow Steve at SWJones87 and follow at Process Potables on Twitch, Instagram, Untapped, Twitter, everything like that. For Steve, I'm Dan. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and trust the podcast.